What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Kings and Priests podcast. I'm Michael Whittle, and I'm here with Dean Sweetman. Dean, how are you, sir? Good, good, good. What's happening? Fantastic, actually. Good. Staying busy? Uh, extremely busy. Pretty <laughs> busy summer. Love being busy. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just, you know, got to keep your eye on the ball. A lot going on out there. Yeah, right. Markets are nuts. Um, I have CNBC on like over here mm-hmm. on my other computer, mm-hmm. which I try not to glance yeah. at too much when especially like everything's down like 4,000%. Dude, that's crazy. Like, hell, yeah. Wait, you know, what's yeah. funny is it had just like, a, there was like a really good bounce a few weeks ago. And uh, I looked at the, pulled up the brokerage and the IRAs and stuff for the first time. Yeah. And it was like, oh, wow. And then I think yeah, like man. literally six days later, I was like, okay, yep, that was that was basically yeah. a big deal. Yeah, that's head, that's head technically head. called a, a, a bear market bounce, yep. but the, it's just a bounce. <laughs> and what goes up comes down again. And then just fundamentals, you know, so the jobs report comes out. And then, like, you know, just on an educational kind of point for a moment, mm-hmm. it's good to be engaged in what is going on mm-hmm. politically and financially in your world. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just good to be informed. Mm-hmm. I'm probably overly informed. Mm-hmm. I'm a bit of a news junkie. Um, and, you know, after I want to wake up and, you know, like read a devotional or, or just mm-hmm. kind of, you know, meditate in scripture, I'm, I'm, I'm devouring like newsletters and news sites yep. and like everything, Sick. Wall Street Journal and The Economist. And mm-hmm. and this is all before I hit my desk right at 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're just that way. Um, but I think it's good to you know, be educated on what's, what's going what's on geopolitically. Mm-hmm. Like all of that affects when when I start a business, how my business is going, what could happen to my, how do I forecast, you know, what's going to happen in six months? Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at it like inflation is nuts, but the, is the job number still really strong, which means consumers can spend our way or are people running out of money because mm-hmm. the stimulus checks thing, the government print and all this kind yeah. of stuff and so and and then I, I like to be informed. and then i know we don't get political on this podcast but all of that and then it's no. i mean it seems like we're sending 500 million a week to the ukraine right now so are we somewhere we're just fighting a full-on proxy war sending i mean sending billions of dollars and then student loans are completely um yes. wiped out i mean look it's ukraine that's this week it's student loans the following week it's well i'm glad i you know, a billion there a billion here billion there it's pretty soon um, it's real money, i'm really right? glad i used my stimulus check to pay off my federal student <laughs> loan last year that was a really obviously a good uh, use of the <laughs> so ridiculous i'm like man i should have just not stuff. paid it and then you know but what can you do can you imagine the disincentive it is for someone who just paid off their student loan and then the guy next to you you know gets 10 or 20 grand i mean <laughs> Let's, I don't, I don't even want to start talking about the it. thing is, is like, okay, do I think that there are, there is a subset of people in this country that probably deserve to have their student loans. The crap degrees because of that light on by the school. Exactly. Yes. But guess who should pay it? The school. Not the taxpayer. Exactly. The school should pay it. Exactly. And then it's just like the test, the EV tax mm-hmm. break. What happened the day they gave 7,500 in tax breaks for electric vehicles? Mm-hmm. The price of the Ford Lightning went up seven hundred seven thousand five hundred. I know. <laughs> so like it, it's insane. Mm-hmm. And like, yes, there are people that got degrees from crap schools that are now worthless mm-hmm. and they're working at Starbucks for you know fifteen bucks an hour. But the school should pay because they're billions in endowments. Mm-hmm. It's why and, uh, it's why I'm like 
we have a, a guy in our church who sent his son at 17 years old to Lambda to learn how to code. Love it. Have you heard of Lambda? Do you know what they do? Yeah, totally. And, yeah. and well, I now know three guys in our church who have done that, who are making well over six figures. I mean, th this one kid, yeah. he was 19, making like 130 grand a year. And I'm yeah. just like, why would any, why would anyone do anything other than that? And, and how come every university doesn't have some form of that when these endowments are worth billions? And, yeah. um, cause it's a scam. Mm -hmm. It's a total scam. And, you know, I have a certain son that did the same thing. Mm -hmm. He didn't go to Lambda, he's self-taught. Mm -hmm. And he was making six figures very young. Yep. And so, and the thing I love about Lambda, they put you through, you pay it back because you get a better job. Mm -hmm. And if you don't get a better job, you don't pay it back. They right? said him, and, and they had him, so we have a buddy in our church. He graduated, He not as a coder, but as a data scientist. He did their uh, data science program. Love it. They were sending him on, I think, like seven or eight interviews a week. Right. And it's like, yeah. dude, why would you? Yeah. What a great model. Yeah. So, okay. In terms of the, the market really quickly, because I've, here's the pattern I've noticed, and I'm by no means even a, anywhere close to an expert, but. And so, this is always construed as not financial advice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So we come, so we, let's see, we're in September now. When did we really probably see like a top, like November, December, obviously the spring was really bad. Like all the tech stocks. The market crushed. peaked in November. Peaked in November. 21. So then you start to see um, some layoffs, but then like jobs reports are still good. But now I'm seeing like Snapchat laid off 20% of their business, 20% of their sure. employees yesterday. And that's all forward looking, right? So these are companies who are basically foreseeing 2023 to be a recession. And, and so it's just yeah, like, kind of this, so. so, so even though jobs, even though jobs reports have still looked strong, that's sort of like the lagging indicator, right? I mean, well, I think their service, service level jobs are strong mm -hmm. because they were so gutted in COVID, mm -hmm. but higher paid jobs are starting to be pressure now. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what really hurts the economy because 70% of the economy is based on people spending money, buying stuff. Right. So that's what you saw Best Buy, you know down 20% year on year because mm -hmm. people aren't buying 60 inch TVs TV, yes, exactly. last year. So, and, and it's, and it's high end uh, consumers that spend all that money. Right. Right. And when that stops and like, like, so, Hey, there might've been 50,000 jobs at, you know, Starbucks and, and McDonald's, mm -hmm. but 180 grand a year engineers are getting laid off and they're the ones that spend all the money to keep the whole thing churning. Right. So, right. Yeah. yeah. It's fascinating. It's fascinating times. That's for sure. <clears throat> um, is. But I think you're right. People being informed, even just on the most basic of, of levels, is a really, Absolutely. really smart thing. Um, so Y Combinator just released their list of top private companies. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought we could just scroll through a few of these really quickly um, uh -huh. because a lot of these I've actually never even heard of. Some of them I have. I was going to say, um, I, I think I could have guessed the first two. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, there's... Like I find it fascinating that you there's these businesses out here valued in the billions that you've mm -hmm. never heard of. <laughs> yes, exactly, right? Um, so, all right, so let's go through these and just see. So obviously we know Stripe. Stripe is, I mean, gosh, people Stripe. have been kind of waiting for Stripe to go public in some form or fashion for the better part of a couple of years. Well, it's like, I mean, they are a beast of a company. They are. And you know what just happened too? Mm -hmm. I think twice, they wrote down their own private valuation. I think their private valuation 
is down 50%. Really? Because remember, if the company is public, the market sets the value. Mm -hmm. The company is private. What sets the value is investors who are investing in that business. Mm -hmm. Because they have to buy, the company's worth a billion dollars. I'm going to buy 10%. I got to come up with a hundred million, right? So in the private market, investors said, and they just wrote themselves down. And I think um, uh, Price, what's those, or Fidelity, one of those guys, probably a big investor in Stripe, they kind of lowered too. So really? Private company valuations are coming down mm-hmm. in, uh, in, in in big ways. Yeah, especially, yeah, even companies like Stripe. That's crazy. So Stripe, Instacart. Yeah. Um, Instacart's something I've, Honestly, I've never really understood, to be honest with you. I, I you, you use it. Yeah. Okay. Dude, if I'm, I'm we we'll come back to LA tomorrow mm-hmm. and, you know, we will literally on the plane, mm-hmm. order the grocery food, what you need there. Yep. And then, I, and then I order the Uber when I land and then I order Chipotle because I need something quick to eat mm-hmm. and I haven't even got home yet. Yep. When I get home, I'm like, what's up? Yeah. Like we've used, we've used that. We use the Amazon Prime, um, you know, yep. Whole Foods thing. And it's, I mean, it's convenient. It's, it's not cheap, yeah. but it's convenient. So I guess, I guess you know, my the thing, hardest thing is beginning. do what? Because once you get all your list built, the hardest is just getting going. Once you get all your things there, you just go to the, I want to buy this again. Redo. Yeah, exactly. That is true. You can actually really just build like a repeatable, easy, repeatable yeah. order. Um, cruise, self-driving cars. I, I've never heard of this company. Um, uh, number three, number four, OpenSea, <laughs> which is fine. The world's largest <laughs> NFT marketplace. Um, yeah, sure. Value gone down. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's the, the, the difference to me between number one, Stripe, and number four, OpenSea is it's a massive gap. Um, <laughs> yep. So fair, one-stop shop for wholesale. Again, nev- I've never heard of this. Never heard of this business. Brex, financial operating. I think system. it's banking as a service. Okay. Bass. Okay. Um, yeah, let's see here. Payroll, payroll. Okay. So it. like a new generation, um, like a payroll, payroll banking mm-hmm. kind of thing. Business account expense. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, deal payroll. Oh yeah. Okay. Rippling, um, magically simplify your HR and IT mm-hmm. Reddit, which I think is actually great. I think Reddit's one of the most underutilized social media platforms. I find you can just learn just learned a right. crazy amount on reddit um and well i got in there a few times and it's just it's like old school ui it's real it's messy in there yeah i think during the diamond hands like you know yes i was in there a little bit yep. reading that but. yeah it's basically like old school message board you know what i mean but like yeah. it's really yeah. cool there are these like reddit threads i came across where it's it's called um yeah. it's called web sleuths and it's literally an entire community of reddit people trying to solve like unsolved murders. Unsolved crimes. I mean, you yeah, go yeah, down yeah. there and they've like solved crimes. Like they've like led know, police to. So. And now they're making shows about <laughs> the way they solve. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that's pretty crazy. Um, but there's a lot of stuff out there too of like learning, you know, communities. Like, so you can go find a Reddit subreddit thread of salon, uh, hair salon owners and right. learn what they're talking about. So I think, I think it's a pretty right. good, pretty good that's uh, cool. company. Gusto. I love Gusto. Me- yeah, we used to use them. Yeah, grew out of Gusto. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a pretty what what um, headcount did you guys grow out? Like, what was the thing that made you go? We need something more. I guess robust. I think seventy five. Seventy five. Mm-hmm. We needed um, benefits. Yep. Like we we wanted to have medical. Got it. And just, we just got through that. Let's so do we, it. 
What do we go to? Just works. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I use Gusto, have actually used Gusto for pretty much every job I've had for the last decade. Um, yeah. and really, really like yeah, it. Yeah, it's great. Um, Flexport. Um, that CEO was just on the All In podcast. I like that guy a lot. Um, yeah, yeah, smart guy. Logistic, Razor Pay. Um, I've never heard of it. Never heard of Scale AI. It's, it's an Indian-based business. It's the stripe of India. Okay. I think they're trying to be. Got it. Um, Benchling, Fivetran, Rappi, On Demand. That's a Latin company. I, I've literally never heard of these. Checker, I've heard of. Checker, I had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Checker, do background checks. Yes, Zapier, I've heard of. Um, yep. I've tried to use it and not had the easiest time, but I'm not the best at that stuff. You need a little bit of code. Yep. Webflow, and that's, we use Webflow. Webflow, we, I, oh yeah, we use Webflow as well. I've I've played around a lot in Webflow. I think it's better than Squarespace by a mile. Um, by 10,000 miles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like not even comparable. We have uh, like 100 web pages and, and they're all hosted on mm-hmm. Webflow. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 phenomenal. The templates they have, yeah. all the backend integrations are are crazy. Um, equipment share, convoy, retool, the goat group. Yeah, <laughs> platform for the greatest products from the past, present, and future segment. I'm just scrolling through to see if there's any of these that I even recognize. Segment at this point. Um, uh, there's a lot of payments. There's a lot of it looks like a lot of fintech. Oh yeah. Um, a lot of fintech right now. That's where all the money is, man. Uh, hey, look, I think the point of this uh, little this segment little, yep. is there's, <laughs> there's a lot of businesses out a lot there of businesses that are worth a lot of money. Yeah, <laughs> worth billions of dollars. Yeah, yeah. I'm now down to 54, and I don't. I've never heard of any of these companies. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, Jasper 59. That's pretty cool. I've played around with that. It's a um, it's an artificial intelligence uh, content company. So you can like spit huh? in, um descriptions and they can write blog posts for you tweets for you they can do uh advertising so yeah i think you're right a lot of this is um businesses that nobody has ever heard of that y combinator is essentially saying these are the most powerful businesses Mm -hmm. so that's really cool um yeah okay let's jump to this next one um how to value pre-revenue startup so um Here's why I think this matters, and and you tell me what you think. I think 18 months ago, a year ago, how to value a pre-revenue startup was just kind of whatever you decided the value was. I mean, there's obviously some ways that you think about it, and there's market and all that kind of stuff. But I think now it seems like people have really like started to kind of bring this down to um, a more nuts and bolts kind of process. But it's really hard because if you don't have any revenue, how do you determine the worth and the value of uh, right. your business? Um so there's a bunch of different ways that they talk about, you know, how to how to do this, um, different factors. Um, but here are some that kind of they say. So when evaluating a startup with no revenue, it's important to keep certain factors in mind. And here are the big three they say, which is founding team. So who is the team that is making this happen? Industry and market demand, right. and then what is your MVP or or prototype? Um, right. So basically, part of that is is like unless you are a proven builder just getting a idea funded is pretty much out of the question at this point Very would you say unless it is kind of like a completely game-changing um idea so it's founding team now let's talk about founding team for a second is that mm-hmm. people who are involved as well as like advisors and strategic relationships that you already have a lot of times if you're building a pre-revenue startup it's not like you have any kind of team whatsoever it's you and a co-founder 
maybe a couple of contractors that you have working on the business. But um, what do you look for in terms of founding team? Well, in in tech or in anything, typically the founding team are the co-founders, mm-hmm. right? So who are the people who are going to build this business, mm-hmm. who, are, who are maybe put blood, sweat, and tears and bootstrap their way to an, an MVP and a mm-hmm. few customers, mm-hmm. um, but pre, pre-revenue, it is the the founding partners who have created, you know, hopefully a C-Corp based in Delaware mm-hmm. and distributed shares and own the business. Mm-hmm. Those are, that is the founding team. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to be doing something technical, you better have someone technical as a co-founder. Right. <laughs> right. Because uh, you're building something technical. Um, but yeah, that's the founding team. So, and that founding team may be brand new, never done this before. Mm-hmm but have experience in certain areas, right? So you think about, oh, there's two, three, four people going to come together to build product X. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time they've ever started a business. And if I'm the investor looking at them and I'm like, wow, you guys have never done this before, but you've spent 20 years doing this. You've been 15 years building that and you've done 10 years in this industry and you're trying to come in here and disrupt something you already know. Mm-hmm. Lots of check marks on that team, right? Right. If there's three founders trying to do something they have no knowledge about and they just thought they'd have a crack at it, mm-hmm. not investing. Right. <laughs> right. Um, and so in terms of market and demand, like I think obviously a lot of it has to do with that, especially when we're talking venture money, right? So it's one thing to say, hey, I want to start a business that I think, you know, if we invest 150 grand, give us 18 months, it can be a really high cash flow, low margin business. That's totally different and not really what we're talking about. I think what we're talking about is big, right. big idea. Um, so obviously a lot of that, would you say a lot of that waxes and wanes via trend, right? So like, at least from what I see, there are a lot of trends in sort of what venture is looking for. So we just mentioned fintech, um, right. Fintech's a really hot trend right now. Yeah. So I'm going to look at, um, the total addressable market, Mm -hmm. the TAM. Mm -hmm. So you're coming to me with product X Mm -hmm. and I, you're either going to tell me or I'm going to work out mm-hmm. how many of these widgets or software, mm-hmm. you know, apps and we're going to sell. Mm-hmm. And if it's a particular, so some of that, one of those on the list was Gusto, right? So mm-hmm. they have an application to business owners that do payroll. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they're targeting, let's say they're tar- targeting small, medium business. Right. Under hundred employees mm-hmm. or under 50 employees, small mm-hmm. business. Mm-hmm. How many of those are there? Right. In North America. Uh, can I go international? Mm-hmm. What's the total TAM? Mm-hmm. What's the competitive landscape? Mm-hmm. Oh, there's 50 other HR platforms, but you're going to build a better one? Tell me how. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And so it's the what's the market, and then I can work out what the money is, the potential to make money. Right. If there's a million small businesses, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. and they're willing to pay 50 bucks a month, that's a $50 million mm-hmm. a month opportunity. Mm-hmm. That's a $600 million revenue opportunity, but there's 50 competitors and you're going to go get your first thousand customers and we're going to un- put, give you all this money and you're going to build this product mm-hmm. and you're going to hire some more people and then you're going to get some customers, you get, get some revenue. It's all in the beginning, you're trying to set a value on the possibility right. of rise of the market and then how I can penetrate it mm-hmm. and, you know, beat others. Mm-hmm. Or am I doing something that's brand new right. and there's never been one before? Right. And it's, I'm building something that people today don't know they need. 
right. but we'll spend money on it mm-hmm. down the track. So mm-hmm. those are things that are going to work out. And then, wow, I'm going to invest in a business. And the, this team seems like they know what they're doing. They want to go do X. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the opportunity within side the business plan is, oh, this is a, this is a hundred million dollar, you know, opportunity. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. And so that's, what's going in your mind yep. when you start it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, um, so down here, there's what they're calling a scorecard method, which I think is good even just to be thinking about in terms of like, if someone's trying to think through how to value their business, it's basically just, um, take another company in the same industry. Yep. Yep. It's like, what's, what's a, what's a company that's similar to you, uh, that was recently valued at 5 million, right? Okay. How do we back Mm -hmm. work our way back to that? So it's, yeah, it's sides of opportunity team technology and product, competitiveness, marketing and sales, financing need, and then other. So there's just a little bit of like a um, straight up numbers way of looking at it, right? Where it's it's kind of- And the top three are the main ones, right? Right. right. Yeah, they carry, yeah, would carry the most weight. Ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Okay, so question for you on that. Would you say, let's say someone right now is, got a pre-revenue company or they've got a pre-revenue idea, they've got a little bit of an MVP. Um, in the current market, because I think people can probably be tempted to do whatever they can do to make sure that they can just keep going over the next year, 18 months, two years. Yeah. Um, if someone is in the place, this place right now where they're, where they're trying to raise money, what would you advise them in terms of doing the safe thing? Like basically, basically, we're in a place where I think a founder is going to go, man, I got to do whatever I've got to do in order to get myself to the other side of this next 18 months or two years right. because of the current right. market environment. But I think that could mean a lot of founders feel the pressure to give away a lot of their company or do whatever. Like where as a founder do you uh, go, no, if this is going to work, I've got to like full send it and go for it versus I've just got to like clamp down, make it through the next 18 months and see where we, does, does that question make sense? Yeah. Sort of. It's, it's, you got two sides. You got the investor mm-hmm. and you got the founder. Mm-hmm. It's got to make sense to both, mm-hmm. right? So you've got to be reasonable on valuation as the founder mm-hmm. and you've got to, as an investor, have the incentive for the founder to go and win. Right. Right. So it's like, okay, we're going to value the company at X. It was valued at X last year. Mm-hmm. Probably not valued much more than that. Right. Because, you know, got a product, still pre-revenue, mm-hmm. unproven mm-hmm. as far as, you know, revenue goes, but- we like it. We invested in it. I'm going to invest again. Yep. Right. And then just understanding the dynamics of you can't over the investor can't overprice this right potential asset because it's still precarious if it's even going to make it. Right. Question on that right. really quickly. Does the okay? Let's say I come up with an app idea. I put a value on it. I, I say it's worth one million dollars, <throat> and I go to investor one, who's going to be the lead investor. And they say, they agree, yep, this is worth a million, they invest. Is it, is it generally like the lead investor who technically sets the valuation, right? And then, Correct. and which is why a lead investor is so important because you're essentially going, this has been, um, exactly. this has been not approved, but this has been sort of, yeah, this has been a- approved and believed in at this valuation. And so right. that's really, really important. Someone's put their money up and you go to other investors yep. or, you know, you, you, you want to diversify your, your, you know, cap table mm-hmm. and you get some new investors mm-hmm. and they're like, oh yeah, we see this value too. Yep. And, and they come in and you say, oh, we're raising out a million and you know, 
And they go, yeah, yeah. that's reasonable to us. All right. So you can, there's the existing yep. up each round. Mm-hmm. And then there's, you know, investors that brand new. And 18 months ago, it would be safe to say that the founder had the power in setting the valuation. Correct. We have now completely gone to the opposite side, right? Where the investors have 12 months ago have now set the valuation. Well, it's even worse than that. It, they've even turned it all off. Mm-hmm. Right. Like there's just no money. Right. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's, that's, that's how quick it's yep. swung. Yep. Um, cool. All right. Let's go to our next one. So we had an episode come out uh, last week about you and I kind of going through these like quote unquote businesses you can start in over a weekend. Um, Mm -hmm. And basically we went through all those and said, these aren't really businesses you can start in a weekend. These are generally trade focused businesses. This is not as easy as these things are making it sound in the era of the side hustle. This, those were not the direction that one would want to go basically. Um, yeah. I've come across somebody, her name's Cody Sanchez. She's a pretty smart, she seems pretty smart. She worked in finance yeah. for many years and, uh, now is building kind of her own mini Berkshire Hathaway of what she calls boring businesses. So we're not going to get through anywhere right. near of these, but, uh, she put together a list of 130 plus boring businesses that, that she loves to invest in. So, um, right. basically her framework is. The sexier the industry, the less money that you're going to make. So right. her boring her boring business framework is stale, right? Minimum innovate, minimal in- innovation, uh, yep. old, long-standing businesses, weak, poor competition, and simple, right? Mm-hmm. So simple but needed yep. business model. Um, so let's like go through um, a few of these. So what she calls Gateway businesses are things like vending machines, ice vending machines, laundromats, mail pack and ship centers, um, and then franchise businesses. So she's big in the laundromat space, right? Where she goes Yeah, because she has like click here to turn your yeah, exactly. laundromat in the middle. Exactly. It's great. So she does the thing where, yeah, she goes in, she buys a, you know, a laundromat that's been owned by a family for 50 years who still doesn't take credit right. cards, who still is completely coin operated. She buys it. Sure. She completely updates the tech. And, right. you know, then does does yeah. her thing. Um, right. Just on this list for a second, mm-hmm. like, it's a really good list, right? Mm-hmm. Vending machines, ice fit, fit, laundromat. Okay. those You need capital for all of those, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. you can't start any of these with zero dollars. Mm-hmm. But there's an incremental. Like, yep, I'm buying a, like a soft drink vending machine. I don't know how much they cost, like five grand. Right. Right. And like. If you find a place where you can put one of these things and you go and save up your five grand, you go do it. That's, mm-hmm. that's not a bad little entry point yep. into, I, I don't know what the ROI are on vending machines. Yep. I don't, I guess it's where they, where, yep. where they are, but you know, not, not a bad little way to get some passive income. Yeah. And that's a good point. That's actually her, um, that is kind of like her advice to people is like, just start doing deal, just start doing stuff. Yeah. And then build the your way up run. to a place where you feel comfortable going and getting an SBA loan. And doing right? right, so she's like, you just take these incremental steps, and if you do that over the course of ten years, I think she said she owns right. personally like a hundred and fifty different, you know, free cash flow businesses wow. um, that are not glamorous, right? So she goes through things yeah. like camping sites, hunting guides, tours, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, professional services, so podcast production, yeah. videography, um. Keeping all the yep. usual suspects. all the stuff that we that we've heard, yeah, machine washing. She, I saw a thing where she she did a case study of a twenty two year old kid that does um, 
not power washing. It's called soft washing. So it's like an in-between. And he went and bought him a $1,500 soft washer. He got some chemicals and he started posting on Nextdoor and all this kind of stuff. And now he's he's doing, you know, like 80 grand a year, 80 grand a month in business. And his profit is like 20, between 20 and 30 grand a month. He's 22. So what are, what's soft washing? Like cars or dry? No, like, how, like homes, basically. So like the outside oh. of a home, uh, gutters, like all that. Oh, all that okay. kind of stuff. Um, and it, so it doesn't, it, it's a, it doesn't strip the paint. Yeah. So now he's got like two trucks. I think she said he's, you know, got two trucks, four employees and, and, um, yeah. so stuff like that is, is cool. Home services. We talked about that gutter cleaning, home cleaning, laundry, yeah. you know, all of that. Um, let's go down to something that may be a bit bigger here. Let's go to, um, let's go to, uh, where was it? Uh, home. No, let's not do home service. Real estate heavy businesses. So mm-hmm. mobile home parks, RV parks, storage centers. Storage centers is interesting. And I always hear a lot of people talk about that mm-hmm. being a really good um, business to get into. Yeah. Mini mailbox. Car washes ran that. Mm-hmm. Car washes are like cash cows. Mm-hmm. And you get those standalone ones. Yep. Where you like, where you have no people. Yeah. Or, or maybe one guy that, you know, I go to this one guy in LA and it's, he, he runs out of the gas station and pushes a button, mm. right? Like mm-hmm. I've gone through the vending machine and driving the car in and he just comes running out, goes dink and then runs back. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Right. <laughs> um, um, so I guess here's my question on all of these. And this is like what I keep coming back to. Cause I mean, it goes everything from appraiser, loan officer, you know, home inspection. I mean, you know, she goes all the way down the line on industrial trade, uh, auto services, you know, you, you name it. Right. But I guess the thing that I keep going back to is, is there a difference in the person who wants to be an entrepreneur and do something that they like love and are passionate about versus the person who just says like, I kind of want to just own a business. that has got good cash flow. Like, cause there's, there's definitely a difference. Like as much as I personally look at all of these, I go, Oh yeah, that would be great. I, it's not going to fulfill my internal nature to go, you know, build a business of 15 coin laundromats, right? Right. So right. like, how should someone think about that? Like, is it first kind of understanding what exactly is it that I want to build? <laughs> like, if I'm not just yeah, motivated by money, I'm not going to get excited building a laundromat yeah. empire, right? I think the point she's making is this is not glamorous, mm-hmm. but I don't care. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I'm going to start with a $5,000 vending machine. And if I keep doing what she's doing, I'm going to own 150 businesses because I'm going to take the cash flow from one and put it on the next. And so I think that's the whole point. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like, oh, I want to, um, you know, I want to be a lawyer and go to school mm-hmm. and go and be the best lawyer and work my up and become a partner. Mm-hmm. And like, that's a track to go and make money. Or you're like, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I don't have technical abilities to go and do some of this technical stuff. So I'll go and start doing dumb, boring stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, what's wrong with that? Right. If you're making a million bucks a month in revenue right. and it's from 150 dumb, boring things, the, the, the color of the money is still the same. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's really smart. Have you ever done anything like this? Like I, I, I'm trying to think of stuff that I know. I mean, I know you like did I'm, a coffee cart at one point in LA with Jake, but is there anything yeah. on this list that you've gone like, oh, nothing that I, worked. yeah, nothing that worked. And, but, it, you know, I, I think this would, it, it's almost like um, go to college, don't go to college, mm-hmm. okay? Don't go to college, I'm technical in some way I can, or and I'm motivated. Mm-hmm. 
and I can go and clean gutters and I can go and bang on doors and go and build my tree cutting business, and, right? I can go and do that and then develop a skill and try and somehow scale that because you're only going to make X. Mm-hmm. Like if you've got two, two men in a truck, mm-hmm. right? And, right. and I'm, I'm going to do furniture removal. Yeah. You know, I am going to break my back, so I'm going to hire people pretty quickly. Yep. And there's not a whole lot of profit in that. I'm paying two laborers to do the move, right. and I'm the guy that's just getting the bookings. Like, but guess what? If you got 20 trucks, mm-hmm. then it is profitable. Right. So it's just understanding a business, getting proof of concept, and then scaling it mm-hmm. by hiring people to do it. Mm-hmm. That's the part. that's what she's done. Right. Then she started things that are really kind of basic and small. And she's scaling human capital, you know, in the right sense of the word, not, not like software is scaling digital capital, right? Like you're just building something once and selling this and then the same thing, mm-hmm. but in more times, mm-hmm. no extra money. Mm-hmm. This is not bad. This is like, oh, two men in a truck is going to bring in four grand, you know, a week. It's going to cost me two grand for the labor maintenance on the trucks, 500 insurance is about, oh, I'm going to make a thousand bucks. And then you go, but if I do 20 trucks. And I get good at now. I'm making twenty grand mm-hmm. a week. That's how the, that's how this is. Mm-hmm. What yeah. this is how it works. Yeah. Yep. That's great. Well, private companies, valuations, and boring businesses. We've been all over the map today. One thing we did, like one thing we didn't talk about is mm-hmm. uh, the number three or number two world golfer just joined Live Golf, and I saw a stat just now that was like. Uh, I think as we said, forty or fifty percent of winners of the last three years of majors are now in live golf yep. or something. I, that's that's way off, but we're like we're 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 the, seeing some some the, the field this week, mm-hmm. and it's just outside of Boston. Mm-hmm. Starts tomorrow, mm-hmm. and here's the cool thing: like I'm flying home back to LA tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It records on YouTube. I'm going to get home and I'm going to put press play anytime I want tomorrow night. Mm-hmm. And probably when Paul ends asleep mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh. <laughs> And basically watch, you know, what I want to watch. But, um, yeah, they just got six new people. They have the field this week is as good as, I think, 50% of any PGA Tour fields this year. Jeez. So it's literally getting to this point now. And if they don't award, this is a big controversy that's going to come. There's two. One is majors. What's going to happen? You ban Cam Smith from <laughs> going back to the British Open next year. The British Open win gets you all majors for five years. <laughs> Is he banned from going to Augusta? Right. If so, and you've got DJ who won the Masters, you've got Bubba. Like if so, how can you say that you've got the best field and that Masters win by a non-live, like no-live mm-hmm. competitors mm-hmm. and that that guy deserves to win? Mm-hmm. There's no way he does. Mm-hmm. So look out for decision on the four wages and then the um, the uh, golf, world golf ranking mm-hmm. points. Mm-hmm. How does live players qualify same argument. If you're not giving qualifying points to them because they're in this competitive event, mm-hmm. okay, it's a bit different and they might have to make adjustments according to the rules. <clears throat> but you're not – like these are, these are some of the best golfers in the world. Mm-hmm. And you can say, oh, the fields are crap and Mickelson's 50 and mm-hmm. these guys are over the hill. And But like, no. That's changing. That's not true. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. in the last three years. Mm-hmm. So watch this space. It's crazy. It's crazy. All right, man. Well, we will be back next week. And uh, as usual, thank you. And um, excited. A lot of great stuff happening. A lot of great stuff on the way still. And we'll see you guys all here next week. 